Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rocket Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is before the box score. We're supposed to have football this week. We haven't the past couple weeks, but apparently, somewhere down the line, you got to play the games eventually. Uh, BK, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right, Nate. Uh, I think we're going to play this game on Saturday. I hope we're going to play this game on Saturday. I believe that we're going to play this game on Saturday. I, we'll see if we're actually going to play this game on Saturday. I believe that we will play. I believe that we will play. Okay. So what is it? It's 56 scholarships that you need. And currently. Isn't it 53? 50, sorry. 53 scholarships that you need to play. Okay. 51 have cleared. Like, wait a second. I know. I'm changing the rules on everybody. This is this is all my power. 51 have cleared protocol. We're waiting on two more COVID cases to come back from today. Uh, as far as it's positive or negative or, or however they test out. Um, it's kind of a mess, man. I, I feel positive, but, you know, I also felt positive about Georgia, and I also felt positive about oh. – I feel good. We've got we've to be careful about the positive. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I feel good. Um, I don't even remember how many games have been canceled at this point or postponed, but, you know, at some point – you know, as far as the Tigers go, they have been quarantined. They've been bottled up. They haven't been practicing. You kind of feel like if someone's had it, it's, it's run its course. So they're ready. And now it's just kind of based off of, is everybody else ready? Yeah, on the plus side, and this is a, like, major silver lining. Um, and, like, it, literally you'd only find it if you were looking for it. Mizzou is going to all virtual classes after Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like starting next Wednesday or so, there's basically going to be nobody on campus outside of athletes, Mm -hmm. Um, which should help in terms of like the spread of things on campus. So basically from November 25th on, you would imagine that you'll hopefully be mostly in the clear from this stuff. Um, That does not mean you will for sure be in the clear because you could go to the grocery store and like, you know, you get it. We've seen how this works outside of sports for sure. Uh, most of us have all been personally affected by it, at least in some way. We know somebody who got it, and a lot of them don't know how they got mm-hmm. it. So that is not assuring that this is going to be fine moving forward. But hopefully, fingers crossed, this should be one of the last games where we've got this big of a scare. Um, one of the concerns that I do have, and tell me if I'm misreading this, but earlier today, Eli Drinkwitz said that the team is at 56 scholarship players right now. And one of those is suspended for the first half, talking about Dylan Spencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're basically at the threshold without having anything in terms of COVID. Mm-hmm. Am I mistaken there? No, that's right. That's right. Okay, so they have no margin for error whatsoever. Zero, yeah. So I know the cancellation from last week had nothing to do with the suspensions, or at least that's what they said. But, yeah, I mean, three of those guys can't play in the first in the first half. And you need to have the, you know, the, you have to hit the scholarship count for the full game, not just half a game, especially at the beginning. So, uh, yeah, razor thin margins. Let's hope that uh, everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing and have been very diligent and washing their hands and keeping social distance and, and, and wearing masks. Because if two people didn't, then this game is off. And then we get a a month hiatus. Oh, my God. Is that right? Has it really been a month? Almost a month? Yeah, basically. It's been three weeks right now. October 31st was the last game, yeah. Jeez. Mm-hmm. They've played as or they've been off more often over the last <laughs> 6 weeks than they have played in the last 6 weeks, like as of Friday. <clears throat> cool. Cool. It's I get any Mizzou fans like if you're somebody who 
is having a really tough time getting super interested in this season. I really do understand it. I'm right honestly. there with you, man. Right there with you. I, I mean, I when, when Mizzou beat LSU, it was really hard not to be all in mm-hmm. because at that point you'd gone three straight weeks. You had seen Mizzou come up with a really big win, and then you go into the Vandy game, and you're like, oh, my God, they've got a real shot here to pull off three in a row with LSU, Vandy, and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. This is going to be awesome. And then the Vandy game gets postponed. <laughs> mm-hmm. You beat Kentucky, awesome, great. And then the L- the Florida game happens, and it's like, whoa, that was a lot of air out of the balloon. Mm-hmm. You talk yourself up, and I know you and I, Nate, certainly did this. And it's like, okay, they, they've got a shot against Georgia. This is a team that's kind of kind of there for the taking, potentially. I, I don't know if they're going to win, but maybe this could be closer than you think. Boom, postponed. <laughs> and so it's just, it's been such an up and down season for Mizzou, both in terms of like the performance and also the actual playing of the games, mm-hmm. that it's really hard to get yourself to the point where you're like committed to, okay, Saturday at whatever time, I'm watching Mizzou on this channel. Because basically, up until like Wednesday, Thursday, maybe even Friday in some weeks, you're not totally convinced that the game's even going to be played. Mm-hmm. And then by Saturday, you have no idea what the performance is going to be like. So it's been a weird year in every possible way for Mizzou this season. Fits and starts, dangerous, you know, conditions. Um, nothing, just nothing's normal. And and when it's not normal, you don't have your routine. You don't have what you're used to. You don't have that tradition, the ritual that you have. It's just it's not there. So it has been tough. It has been tough to get involved, uh, stay stay active, and stay interested in the sport. But it's there if you want it. And in theory, our guys will be coming back this weekend uh, against uh, against an opponent that's pretty deflated. So there are reasons to get excited. And God, if we can just God get get through tomorrow, right? We we always record on Tuesday night. We can get through. I think it's noon Wednesday is the last that they can cancel it, unless something crazy happens. Get through there, then we can really start tricking our minds into thinking there is a game happening this Saturday. We can get excited. We can. Listen to the podcast. We can watch the the shirts and pants be revealed. We can find out where our SEC alternate channel is located on the TV, and you know get get into that and, and watch the game and get excited again. Because yeah, if, taking three weeks off and your last game was a was a blowout loss. It's just it's no fun. It's not. And on the plus side, it seems like this is at least possible to be played. Um, Drinkwitz sounded fairly optimistic. I do wonder, man, um, I don't know that the SEC would be willing to do this, but Drinkwood said they're going to do everything in their power to play football. Is there any way that they can skirt these um, limits, restrictions, criteria, protocols in any way, shape, or form? There's not, right? Like, if you're below 53, you're below 53 and you're not playing. Yeah. End of story. I mean, you got if you look at the uh, the depth chart, and we will eventually. But you've got Cannon York, a walk on, who is on the two deep. You have Kiki Chit, well, Kiki Chisholm's a, a scholarship, but you have, um, you know, Sean Cading, who's a walk on. You've got who else is on there? Who's not a scholarship player? Um, this Barrett Bannister is Deontay Smith. He's he's not a scholarship player. So like you have walk ons filling in spots already. But it's all about the scholarship players because they don't want you to trot out, you know, your walk on six to 275 offensive linemen right. against an SEC defensive line. Like, that's not fair. So th- this is what the schools agreed to. 
before they uh, put themselves into this mess, and and so those, them's the rules. That's what we got to go by. Yeah. So fingers crossed. Um, as long as things come back negative this week and Mizzou's in a good spot, they will play this game. And um, they're playing against the team that's ripe for the taking. Man, mm-hmm. South Carolina is not very good in general, and they have only gotten worse over the course of the season. And now they're a team that's dealing with a coaching firing, which is kind of wild. You're really good on this stuff, so I'd love to take a second on this. Sure. South Carolina paying in the middle of a pandemic, what is it, $15 million for Will Mm -hmm. Muschamp to walk away Mm -hmm. is wild, man. (laughs) It's, It's pretty crazy to think that that is still happening even in the middle of a pandemic when all of these schools are hemorrhaging money. Did you think that there's a single person or a group of people in South Carolina that has $15 million to spend? Would you ever think sure. that? Sure. Yeah, the boosters. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what the money in South Carolina is invested in, but I kind of have a feeling that they are really – well, I think the issue at hand is that uh, their athletic director, Ray Tanner, who I think was an old baseball coach for them, not really well-liked currently. Mm. I don't know the like the politics why. I just have heard that he is not liked. So this move, a couple different ways you can look at it. Number one, it could be, well, Mr. Tanner, you made this hire. We don't like him any, anymore. <laughs> we didn't like him in the first place. We certainly don't like him now. This is step one of a two-step domino firing process. Could be that. It can also be Ray Tanner reading the room and going, Hey, I'm not I'm not well liked. What's something I could do? Well, I could fire my football coach who's two and five. That's that's an option. Now, why he didn't do that at the end of last year, couldn't tell you. Really couldn't tell you. Uh, I I was very confused as to why they brought him back for this year anyway. But they did, and they fired him, and essentially, you know, for for 2020 and all the optics and everything like that. You're an athletic director. You're still you're running this as your business, and essentially it's okay. We're gonna tank early, so that we can bring back uh, Hugh Freeze into the SEC, which I already hate. Right. I I've never been a fan of Muschamp to begin with. No. So <laughs> it's not surprising to me that he failed there, given the way that he coaches, the style that he plays. Um. I'm not surprised that this went this way. It doesn't change how stunned I am. Eh, not stunned. That's not the right word. How bad of a look it is yep. that in the middle of all of this, you're willing to just throw $15 million while there are other programs across the country, other universities, that are literally slashing athletic programs. Like, oh, we've got a women's water polo team? Yeah, no, not anymore. Um, we've got a women's soccer team. Yeah, no, not anymore. We don't have that anymore. Meanwhile, at South Carolina, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 15 million, get away. You're not winning football games. I get it. I understand why this is different for football as opposed to any of the other sports that are non-revenue. Um, it doesn't make it any better of a look. In terms of the perception, how it looks to other people, it's a very, very bad look. They just furloughed. I understand how the money works, but it's bad. They just furloughed staff. Not even athletic yeah. staff, like academic staff. He was he was the highest paid state employee. Mm-hmm. 
in the state of South Carolina. And restaurants are failing. Businesses are failing. People are getting sick. Hospitals are overrun. Can't do anything about it. But our football coach, he's got to go. <laughs> got to win more games. Got to go. It's got to go now. So that's that's optics are poor. Now, again, hiring Muschamp in the first place was the dumbest thing that you could do. Right. Because Muschamp is many things. He is an excellent defensive coordinator. He's a phenomenal recruiter. He is a terrible head coach. And there's no instance of the past 20 freaking years between Texas, Florida, Auburn, South Carolina, where he comes in and makes the team, the cohesive team, better. You know, he, three years ago, was it this? Three years ago, whenever he hired Kurt Roper at Florida, plucked him out of Duke. He said, he's like, woke up one day and uh, realized that, that the game's changed and we need to, we need to be better on that scoring points. <laughs> I was like, okay. Like, we, we, I scoffed, everyone jo- joked, but like, you need to have that moment. We all thought Kirby Smart had that moment this past year when he hired Todd, M- Todd Munkin, brought in the quarterbacks that he did, where you have that, oh, I can't be my boss, Nick Saban. I got to be something mm-hmm. different. And he had that moment with Kurt Roper and then, you know, lost four games and then, or won four games and then won seven and then was shown the door. And then what's he do? What's he do? He goes to Auburn. He goes to Auburn and does, and he only does that so that he can get his, quote unquote, his rehab stent. So he can turn around and be another SEC coach the next freaking year. You know what he's going to do now? You know what he's going to do now? He just got paid $15 million to, to not do his job anymore in the state of South Carolina. He is going to uh, go to LSU for one year, and he's going to turn around and take the vantage job. Yeah. And then we're right back at this because he's Will Muschamp. He's, he's brand name. What does he do? He makes your defense better. What does he do? He makes your offense suck. Why? Because he doesn't learn anything. He never learns anything. The weird thing is, he he became a brand name as a defensive coordinator at Texas. But he became a head coach in waiting. He's he's never actually been good, like as a head coach. Like you say, he he was at Texas. He was the guy, and then we saw him at Florida, and he failed. Like if you fail at Florida. You're probably not going to be great at South Carolina, man. Yeah. Why would South Carolina hire a failure from Florida? Why would any middling program hire a failure from Florida when you have every advantage built in in the world? I, I don't get it, man. I, I will never understand it. It never made any sense to me whatsoever, but he's gone now. So we don't have to worry about that. Um, <laughs> no, what I really worry about is that his team's going to get better now. But true. But he was at Auburn. Like the the, the if, if you know all joking and kidding aside, the reason Muschamp teams that he's associated with why their offense sucks is because his defense is predicated on short possessions, mm-hmm. where he can you know, he doesn't do like the hockey line shift change or anything like that where he shifts out personnel. He plays a very tight defensive personnel, so he asks offenses to stretch it out, play possession, right? Have the running back run 52 times so that he can bring his his aces and have them on the field at all times. That's why. And he doesn't learn anything past that. So, you know, when he went to Auburn with Gus Malzahn and Gus is like, hey, we're going to run, 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 run. And he's like, slow down. Slow down for me, baby. And they did, and it sucked. And then he left during their bowl game, and they just 
rampaged all over because like, hey, we can now do what we want to do offensively now. So look, he's always going to be what he's going to be. I don't know where he's going to end up. My guess is LSU, but you know, take your pick. And then either a Vandy or a Tennessee is going to pick him up, and we do this dance all over again. As far as as the team that he just left, you always t- we talk about interim coaches, right, and how how teams do against that. And it's not because it's not really a situation that you come across all that often. You know, a, a coach getting fired midseason is thankfully a pretty rare thing. Should be even rarer in a pandemic, but you know, we've already talked about that. Um, so it doesn't all happen all that often. And for Mizzou, you know, I went back 20 years, you know, I went back to 2000 and I just looked, hey, how often uh, has Missouri played a team that has an interim coach? And dude, it's not all that often. It's five, five times since 2000 the first one everyone remembers this one 2007 arkansas cotton bowl <laughs> oh maybe my my favorite one-sided fist fight ever caught on camera um yeah that's when uh houston nut uh resigned after beating lsu because he had a bunch of off the field stuff and uh, missouri uh destroyed them second time was north carolina in 2011 in the independence bowl and that's uh, Everett Withers was the intern for the entire year because Butch Davis got fired before the season even started. Uh, third time was 2016 LSU when Ed Ordron oh, had his good. debut. Well, not not good, but LSU was a way better team, and that was Barry Odom's first year. So, Darius Guy's first you know. game. Yeah, we've talked about yep. this. It was bad. 42-7. Fourth time, 2017 Florida. When uh, Jim McElwain claimed that he was getting death threats, couldn't back it up. <laughs> but that wasn't why he really got fired. He got fired because he lost to Georgia, and then they fired him for cause because of the death threats. So that's you know SEC priorities. Um, but yeah, the Randy Shannon stepped up. Tigers beat the hell out of him. And then 2019, last year, Arkansas game that's just better not to be remembered. So overall, Missouri's four and one against interim coaches, and uh, now we get Mike Bobo uh, as of late from Colorado State's head coach, but also Georgia's OC for like fifteen years, uh, inheriting this team. And I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, he's got his work cut out for him. He does. Um, he was getting a little bit of late buzz at Mizzou, wasn't he? It w- wasn't he a guy that had at least no. we heard his no. name on one of the hot boards? Uh, Certainly not for me. No, 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 no. Um, I'm not saying that you were an advocate for it. <laughs> I mean, look, the dude tried to replicate the Jim McElwain where you're an offensive coordinator in the SEC and then you ride the Colorado right. State gravy train for a couple of years and then come back. He messed that yep. up. Like He did not have the right staff. He was not prepared to be a head coach. So if I, I didn't read it, I didn't advocate it, advocate for it and whoever did should feel really bad about themselves <laughs> okay well never mind moving on from that um <laughs> he's not a guy that comes in and i'm well here like ed orgeron when he became a head coach interim at lsu i see obviously now we have seen that he works as a head coach in general i see how he definitely works as an interim right like, he gets everybody excited. He brings back the music to all of the practices. He gets the LSU back in the yeah. LSU, right? I, I He's a, he's a stepdad that lets you eat ice cream for dinner. It's exactly. great. Exactly. Your, your bedtime is no longer there. Um, suddenly, it's fun to play football again. I understand how that works. I don't know if Bobo's that guy. Um, I'm going to go ahead and actually venture <laughs> to not. say that he's probably not that guy. 
And so I don't think it changes a whole lot, honestly, in terms of the way that I look at this game on Saturday. And on, even bigger than that, I'd actually say that given the fact that this week we've seen four opt-outs from South Carolina, it kind of goes the other way for them. They've become much less talented this week. So if this game yeah. is played and Mike Bobo is obviously going to be the, the new interim coach, I fully expect that Missouri's going to have a pretty good shot to be able to win this one. Would you say they're six and a half point favorites to win this one? I would say that Vegas views them that way. <laughs> that is an accurate <laughs> statement. Um, yeah, I just it's it's tough for a team for a college team to play for an interim coach, mm-hmm. especially in the middle of the season. You know, you're feeling okay. Hey, we had such and such goals in place. We didn't lose our coach because he's so damn good, right? Like, no, no, you lost him because you're doing poorly. Uh, and then you add on top of that, this season, you know, what, what were your goals for this season as South Carolina? Realistically, you know, you, 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 you stay in shouting distance of the division title until November or something like that. They don't have that. They have five losses. They have they, their coach is gone. Who brought them in. The guy who's running the show now wasn't even there last year. This staff is not going to be there next year. You know, you don't, you don't fire somebody in the middle of the season to just promote from within a program that sucks like that's not going to happen um and to play on this on this team play this game with this team you need to be in quarantine constantly you can't do anything that college students want to do now even if you're not on the team you should stay quarantined and stay safe and all that stuff i get that but from a player standpoint do you want to make all those sacrifices and get tested three times a week for the love of the game. And by the way, they've had zero games can't postponed so far this year. Their schedule is almost done. They have three games remaining this season over the next three weeks, and then it's it's over for them. So for them, they're looking at this and they're like, "Man, I got three weeks left. I've got my finals yeah. next week. I go home after Thanksgiving anyway, and I'm done. I'm just gonna get out of here a week early. Like, there, there's no reason Might for well. me to be here anymore. Most of these guys are probably taking a majority online classes, anyways, and that is not a shot like against athletes. Mm-hmm. It's just a statement about the reality of college right now, right? For anybody, whether yeah. you're an athlete or not, most of your classes are likely online right now. So, I get it. I'm not surprised by the opt-outs. I know that you certainly are not surprised by the opt-outs either. And it makes a lot of sense, especially for the guys that are getting ready to go into the NFL draft, including J.C. Horn. This is a secondary that's been decimated, man. These have real tangible impacts on what the game's going to be on Saturday. Like, it's not just, hey, they had a few guys that opted out. No, they had two corners, starters, that are gone now. (laughs) A safety that is gone now. And a freshman defensive lineman that was pretty good that is gone now. So, I... I don't know how significant, how good their backups are. I would imagine not as good as the starters, considering that a couple of these guys are like legitimate <laughs> NFL prospects that are now gone. Mm-hmm. Um, this is pretty big, and it could potentially mean another I- interesting and important game for Connor Bazelet going into this one. So with J.C. Horn, who, by the way, I would say is South Carolina's best mm-hmm. player, full stop. Was the key to them beating with, Auburn? Yes, exactly. With J.C. Horn, um, with uh, Izzy or Israel uh, Mukuamu, who was their other starting corner, 
and with uh, R.J. Roderick, who was one of their starting safeties. With those three guys on the field, South Carolina's pass defense ranked 107th in the country. On passing downs, right, so second and long, third and long, fourth and long, they're 113th. That's with those guys. Now they don't Out have of what one twenty nine, one twenty ish. Yeah, of yeah, the ones that Whoa. have started to play. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. 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 So it's bad. It's real bad. And I know that <clears throat> the Mizzou football team, as currently constructed, is held together by Chinese paper and whispers. But like, it feels pretty good to not have to go up against those three guys. Now you could say the same. For Mizzou against LSU, Mizzou was down a ton of dudes, surprisingly down a bunch of dudes, and they stepped up and beat LSU. So don't write this off and say, well, we got it in the bag, but uh, you would prefer to play a bad team without their best players, just full stop. Yeah, um, I don't care how it happens. (laughs) Like, (laughs) if they beat South Carolina with literally all of their backups, if South Carolina were somehow exempt from the protocols and they were like, hey – they're going to play with zero scholarship players this week. I'd be like, sweet, let's get this W. <laughs> like, let's get to three and three. Let's find a way to get uh, back on the plus side of the ledger here pretty soon, hopefully, against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I don't care how any of the games win this year. You said this early on. None of this matters. All of it is for the money. It's all fake. <laughs> this 2020 season is not something that is uh, going to go down in the record book. That being said, the win against Kentucky was very real. The win against LSU was very yeah. real. I'm going to remember those. Yeah. I don't care who's on the op- opposing side of things. I've talked about this a million times. South Carolina is Missouri's rival. If they beat South Carolina yeah. this weekend, I'm going to like that. I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to be nice <laughs> to me to watch Mizzou go into you the like other ca- uh, Columbia and win that game. I'm into that, man. You like that. I do like that. that. I do, too. Yeah, it's gonna count. The wins count. The losses, I don't. Give, I don't give a crap. Whatever, it's fine. Um, by the way, Missouri is 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 South Carolina's pro- probably their last chance at a win because they play Georgia after that, and then Kentucky after that. So uh, maybe you know, maybe this is the game that we make we make their ass quit, right? Mm-hmm. Like we beat them, and then everybody opts out. <laughs> kind of like that. Remember that oh, Tennessee game a few say. years ago. Or that was the end of Dooley. I do. I mean, that, that was the end yeah. of Tennessee at that point in time, as they yeah. knew. And then it was the end of Butch, yeah. too, when we put up 50-17 to 17 again. Uh, so, you know, it, it, who knows what's going to happen. But but right now, South Carolina is trending down. You know, no team feels good with an interim in place. No team felt good about, you know, playing in the COVID season and everything being all wonky. And now – you're losing your your uh, your best player on the team and, and three of your defenders in the secondary. That sucks. Like it's trending poorly, and Missouri needs to take advantage of that. Now on the Missouri side, we've danced around this a little bit, so let's just mm-hmm. dive in. It's not great. We mentioned that they're on the razor's edge as far as scholarship athletes available. They released the depth chart today, and that is just state media propaganda because yeah. they've got. Guys in places that will not be playing, just flat out. Okay, they've got uh, they got. Oh my God! Let me pull it back up here. So we've got Zeke Powell, Dylan Spencer, Michael Maietti, Case Cook, and Javon Foster as the starting offensive line. We already know the lie. Spot the lie. Dylan Spencer ain't starting. 
We know that. He's suspended for the first half of the, of the, of the game. So who steps up? Well, that's Luke Griffin. Luke Griffin, who is both the second-string left guard and second-string right guard. So if he goes down, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. We had a really interesting reveal that Jatorian Hansford, if you remember that name from 18 years ago, is going to start. Do I see Jatorian Hansford on this depth chart, BK? No, sir, I do not. So I don't know what any of this means. I don't know what's happening, but it's bad enough that they're bringing back dudes who need shoulder surgery. That's yeah, where we're at. Um, I don't know what to make. I, we know what to make of it. It's not good. It's not good. Um, Mike Ruth is now your backup at both guards, it appears. And that's according to the depth chart, which may or may not be right. Um, Bobby Lawrence is backing up both tackle spots. It, it's bad. The The depth on the offensive line is is in a really, really bad spot. The depth along the defensive line is in a really, really bad spot. Everywhere else is mostly okay. Drake Heismeyer. <laughs> Drake Heismeyer, our backup center, is now a defensive lineman because, sure, we it's need it. It's not good, man. It's not what you want. Um, and I'd love more than that in terms of analysis, but there isn't more than that. This is what we're doing in 2020 and specifically at Mizzou what we're doing. Because it was already going to be a pretty shallow roster, given the restrictions and recruiting that they've gone through. Um, and then you added in the pan- pandemic and the transfers and the opt-outs. And it just became a mess. And this is what they're now going to have to deal with for the remainder of the season. And there's no getting around it. Um, so you're going to go into it with whatever you've got. The same way that South Carolina is going to go into this with whatever they've yeah. got. And you hope that you're able to come out on top. But yep. it, there, make no mistake about it. They do have a serious lack of depth and a lack of upside in terms of the starters on both the offensive and defensive lines right now. And apparently there are some receivers who are doubling as defensive backs for this week. Uh, Again, just, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. fine. I'm assuming that's J.J. Hester. I think he played both ways at uh, Booker T. Washington in Tulsa. I would imagine be- a lot of these guys probably did. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think most of them do. You know, it's high school. If you're a three-star athlete, you can probably play both ways. Like that's, yeah, I think that's the case. But um, I don't know. It, it, this is where we're at. Everyone's playing double duty. Do you remember who was it? Cam Hilton, who yeah. was a defensive back who switched to receiver in 2015 because everyone was mm-hmm. so bad. Caught like two or three passes against BYU. Like that's that's kind of where we're at right now. <laughs> Yeah. I, I actually thought he was going to be good as kind of I a thought so too. I he thought pretty, he was going to be a really good player. He was pretty decent safety. Uh, he was fine. He was but, fine. yeah, uh, replacement level. Yeah, they're, they're in a bad spot, and everybody's in a bad spot across the country. Specifically, Mizzou's in a bad spot. I don't know what to make of any of this depth chart thing, man, because uh, it, we, we mentioned this a few weeks ago whenever it was the Kiki Chisholm – <laughs> and Damon Hazelton situation where both yeah. of them were like third stringers suddenly. And it was like, well, what do we make of this? And the answer was nothing <clears throat> because yep. both of them were out there on the first play of the game. And Damon <laughs> Hazelton's back to third this week. It looks like, and it doesn't matter. None of this matters. Um, we'll see what it looks like on the first game, first play of the game. And once we get there, we can report on it. We can talk about who is and is not available. 
Um, but right now, all we know is injuries. And it sounds like Daniel Parker is not going to be out there. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of injuries. Um, Kobe they, White side some... is questionable. Uh, and it sounds like on the bad side of questionable. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Larry so. Borum is probably not going to play. So it's just. It's not good. It's not, not good. good. It's not good. So, you know, throw the kids at it. You know, feel the team. Get some experience. South Carolina is not a good a spot either. Um, just, just make do what you can. The fact that you play that you're playing the game is the victory. That is the W. Mm-hmm. The loss is not playing it. So, whatever may come, win or lose, whatever. If we play the game, that's the win. I just hope everyone's safe. That's that's all you can ask for this year. So, as for the actual game, I took a little look at the stats. And I already kind of hinted at how poor South Carolina's defense is. Uh, they are really bad. Now, keep in mind, overall, as far as Bill Connolly is concerned, they're the 80th best team in the country. Missouri's 76th. So there's not like a huge chunk of difference here. The th- the main thing that really stands out is that Carolina's offense is 75th. Their defense is 76th. That's how important. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. They are so bad against the pass, but they're really good at blitzing. Uh, and they're really good at limiting explosive plays, which if you have to be good at one thing, that's the thing that you want to be good at. Um, but that that's that's literally their only strength. So they're piss poor in everything except those two things. It makes them come out to 76th. Missouri, on the flip side, you know, their defense, 39th currently. Their offense is 103rd. Yeah. <sighs> so you can't just assume that they're going to wreck shop against this uh, Carolina defense, but – the specific way to pick them apart is the specific way we've seen Missouri pick apart another team in LSU. So you kind of start putting two and two together and thinking that, hey, they got a chance. Yeah. I It's, it's tough because I convinced myself going into the Florida game that Mizzou was going to be able to get the passing game going. Um, that didn't happen. I don't know if you watched that game, but it didn't go well. I did. I did. No <sighs> offensive line to do anything. That was the problem. Yeah. And so if South Carolina starts blitzing a lot and Missouri's offensive line isn't able to pick it up, I, I have a little bit of fear about what that looks like, you know? Yeah. Um, and if they decide not to use Tyler Beatty in a way that they've used him all season, <laughs> have been effective in doing so, well, that wouldn't be great either. If they decide to use Larry Roundtree as much through the air as they do on the ground, well, that is probably not the ideal way to do go about that. I I hope that we see the A script this week is basically what I'm saying yeah. from yeah. Eli Drinkwitz because I don't think we really got a whole lot of it after that first quarter against Florida. <laughs> no, we definitely did not. And if you've got receivers playing defensive back, you need to you need to spell them a little bit. Guess who's a great, just a great candidate to go catch a ball? Tyler Beatty's a great candidate to go catch a ball. Mm-hmm. So if if Eli's got any creativity, scraping the bottom of the barrel as far as situational players and situational you know kind of set setups for the for the game, just dump the bucket out, right? Put uh, put Beatty out on the far side. Bring in Nico Hay and Logan Christofferson in the backfield and hand it off to one of them. Why not? I don't care. Um, if you want to do unbalanced lines, slip the tight end as a tackle and make the tackle eligible somewhere else, do it. Just get as weird and creative as you possibly can. You've had three weeks to figure out what you want to do. You're down a bunch of players. They're down a bunch of motivation, a bunch of players too. Just get creative. Have fun. Get weird. 
and you know do whatever you want because it doesn't matter unless you win and then it does matter which is really nice <laughs> yeah i it matters to mizzou fans in this game because it's south carolina and because of what the opposing team is going through so far this year um mizzou's going through a lot too though so it, it's weird it, it, it's one of these things where like i want to do regular football analysis and it's just so hard to do that this year man um i'd love to tell you about like the the corners that they're gonna go up against i haven't seen them <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't know um i'd love to tell you about the defensive scheme that they're gonna go up against i don't know if they're gonna switch things up this week so it's 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 all kind of it's this blend of 2020 which is the pandemic season mixed with the coaching change that they're facing this week and it just makes for a whole hell of a lot of uncertainty and mm-hmm. what we should see from both sides and i'm just i'm hopeful that mizzou's able to come out on the right side on this one and really that's at the end of the day all that matters yeah yeah i don't they don't have to cover you can win by one no, win by one i don't care yeah just do it do it this is this is one of those games i know for me i always want to be kentucky and arkansas and south carolina like mm-hmm. that's good that's good and i think most most mizzou fans want to see that those are the swing games every year. Um, yeah, exactly. And then whatever you know, team you pull from the West, if it's pure or, or not, you know, just whatever. Like that's what you want to be looking for. Um, so this this is your opportunity to do that. It's on the road. Missouri hasn't really done super well on the road, so it's a weird environment all around. It's a weird week, and and who knows what it's going to look like, but. We're just going to take it and we're going to analyze it like we usually do. Uh, it's just tough to preview it because, like you said, we don't know what any of that's going to look mm-hmm. like. So uh, that that's okay. That's okay. The, like I said, a thousand times, playing the game is the win, and then all the fun stuff afterwards is the analysis and the talk and the articles that we write. So that's normalcy is the victory. <laughs> that's that's yeah. where we're at, you know. Yeah, and, ho- and hopefully we get a little bit more of that as we go along here. Yeah. Um, speaking of normalcy, by the way, hmm. in non-game-related uh, yes. news, there was some good news for Mizzou football this week. Yeah, three of their players have been invited and have been accept or have accepted rather uh, invites to the Senior Bowl. Hell yeah! For this upcoming spring. This is not a small thing. Uh, Larry Roundtree has been invited. He has officially, he was the first to be invited. He has officially accepted his offer to go up there. Um, Joshua Bledsoe has been uh, invited. He has also accepted his offer. And Tyree Gillespie has been offered and has accepted his offer to go to the Senior Bowl this year. So three players, three seniors. Three guys that technically could have returned next year if they decided to do so, all mm-hmm. of whom I would imagine, given this news, will not officially be back next season. What would you make of this? It's it's good. It's good. Because the Senior Bowl is run by the NFL, and if they are inviting uh, seniors to come, it means that there's, there's some talk around them. Now, mm-hmm. whatever degree that is, I don't know. I don't follow the postseason stuff uh, like the NFL draft prop. I don't follow it all that close, but I do know that this is extended to a lot of guys who are not the first rounds or the second rounds, but like, you know, the the mid tier, like the third to seventh round where there's interest and people are like, I need to find out a little bit more. I want to see how he reacts to NFL coaching. I want to see how he reacts 
when all the players are just as good as he is. I want to see, you know, his prep, his, how he practices, how he interacts with teammates. Like it's it's a pre uh, combine interview, if you will, for a select few. And if they like you enough to invite you, that speaks a lot about your potential going forward, especially since it's NFL eyes looking at you. Yeah, and they've had some really good players that have gone to the Senior Bowl. Like, we we, we talk about it, how it it is mostly the majority of the players that are there are, like, day two, which is round two and three, and then day three picks, which is four to seven. That's the majority of the guys that will be there. And I would imagine that's probably where all three of these players fit. I don't, I don't think any of them are first-round picks by any stretch. Um, I think Roundtree's probably going to be a day three pick, somewhere around four to seven. I think if there's going to be one that is selected on day two, it would probably be Tyree Gillespie. I was going to say, isn't he like a top three safety or something like that? Yeah, so depending on who you look at, depending on which rankings that you're looking at, Dane Brugler, in my opinion, is the best in terms of like the media scouts. He writes for The Athletic, and he has him as one of the top senior safeties in this year's class. Ah, uh, senior safeties, okay. And mm. I get I get where he's coming from on that. I mean, we've all watched the game, certainly. Mm-hmm. Gillespie's a really good player, and he doesn't always jump off of the screen, but against Alabama in particular, he had a really good game. And he had a few plays that just were like, wow. He had a pass <laughs> breakup against Devontae. Uh, Smith early in the game he had a really good run stop against Jalen Waddle when Waddle was going out on a um, what essentially was a sweep um, and he, he was able to take him down for like a two-yard gain mm-hmm. that doesn't happen a whole hell of a lot against Jalen Waddle so Gillespie's had some really nice splash plays this year Bledsoe I think will be kind of a day three pick he's more of a box safety and that's just not valued as much right now in the NFL um, but all three guys, I think, will be selected at some point. And for a team that has sorely been lacking when it comes to the number of players that are selected in the NFL draft, this is certainly something positive to be able to look forward to. So when you say box safety, what exactly does that mean? Yeah, so to clarify there, I'm basically talking about a safety that plays like a linebacker. So he's going to be playing close to the line of scrimmage. Um, if, if you watch any of the NFL, if you watch the, the Seahawks, uh, Jamal Adams has been accused of this a lot in his career where he's not playing the deep safety. He's not playing as much in coverage deep. So it's a little bit less valuable of a position according to, in terms of like draft status. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that you are an insignificant player, but there's less value placed on off ball linebackers, which are those guys that are middle and outside linebackers that aren't rushing the passer most of the value now in the league because it is such a passing league is placed on anybody that can affect the pass you're talking about pass rushers on the defensive line you're talking about corners and deep safeties those are the guys that really have the most valuable so a guy like joshua bledsoe is mostly going to be playing against tight ends um going to be hitting them off of the line of scrimmage going to be playing a little bit of zone coverage underneath going to affect the running game they have value, but just a lot less than somebody like a uh, Tyree Gillespie who can play over the top mm-hmm. and can kind of run the alley, which means um, sprinting basically from his deep middle position to the sideline to be able to pick up a sweep, for instance, to a guy like Jalen Waddle. Yeah. So, I mean, look, this is these are all good things. I, you know, Larry, Tyree, Josh, you can come back if you want. Yeah. If you're already getting this kind of buzz, if you're going to get paid for this, you might as well, especially coming out of a pandemic. So go ahead and do that. 
it's it's nothing but good. Obviously, going there would basically be declaring your intention. Do you need to have a do you need to have an agent to be in the Senior Bowl? Uh, you don't necessarily need to, but if you're declaring for the draft, you're going to have an yeah. agent. So I, I would be yeah. stunned if any if any of these three guys doesn't after the season. Yeah. So basically, accepting this is more or less accepting that they're not going to be here, which is totally fine. Correct. Um, I, I'm just I'm glad for them. I'm happy for them, and I hope that they do get drafted. They don't have to be number one pick. Just getting in the league is a lot, uh, and and sending guys in the league is going to look good for drink and all the recruiting guys. So. These are good things, and then we can replace them with with younger talent, build them up, and send those dudes off to the league as well. So it's all good things. I mean, for for just kind of a little bit of context here, even if these guys end up going like seventh round, do not make the active roster, end up making the practice squad next year, Mm -hmm. they make $8,400 per week (laughs) playing for the practice squad. That's not bad. It's It's a really good living to be able to make. And so... When you see these guys that are like former Mizzou players that make the league and you're like, oh, well, they they didn't end up making an active roster. They were on a practice squad team for three years. Well, $8,400 per week over a 17-week NFL season. I was going to say, is it 18 or 17? uh, 17 weeks, and you end up making $1.4 million. Yeah. No, 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 no. $140,000. What you're making. $140,000 over the course of the season. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's all crunched uh, into those 17 weeks, but that's a, that's a year salary of 140,000. That's not bad. That's a really good season. That's a really good annual salary. And if you do that for three, maybe four years, um, suddenly you're looking at a, a really good living that you've been able to make off of, uh, not getting your brain bashed every Sunday, <laughs> frankly. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it's not the worst thing in the world to, even if you don't end up becoming a star in the league, being a guy that makes it on the practice squad for, for a couple of teams for a few years. And look, you're not going to be a baller like the starters are, right? Like, you're not driving fancy cars. You're not buying multi-million dollar mansions. You shouldn't be doing that anyway if you're a starting player, but I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money. Point sure. is, you like you said, three years. Three years of $140,000 salary, you play that smart, you can set yourself up really well. You come out yeah. of that if you want to get into coaching, if you want to do, I don't know, open up a Chick-fil-A, open up a car sales dealership. Like, You can set yourself up really, really well if you use that money smartly and use your talents even for a very short window of time. So it's it's a pretty good gig if you know how to play it. You're not going to be flashy like the like the starters are, but <laughs> it's there's worse things out there. So outside of those three guys, and I know we've still got a few weeks left to go here, Outside of those three guys and Nick Bolton, who we all assume is going to be a first-round pick this upcoming year, is there anybody else that you think could potentially be a draft pick from Mizzou? Am I am I missing anybody? Tyler Beatty? Do you think he's gone or do you think he comes back? See, I, I don't know that he's had the seat. I thought coming into the year that he would end up leaving. Yes. I don't know that he's had the season that he needed to have to be able to. So I'm. it all comes down to how... NFL draft bros view this season like does he have enough tape from 18 and 19 to show anything if that's the case then I'd say he's gone but he hasn't really been used to the full potential this year and Mm. 2019's best just to not look at so I'm assuming he comes back I don't know if he's like well hey look you know everything sucks COVID sucks I gotta try and get paid uh, yeah. I don't know if that's the case, in which case, knock yourself out, man. Go do it. 
Um, but if he can come back, if he has the luxury of coming back, I would strongly suggest he does. Other than that, certainly not Daniel Parker Jr., not after this year. He's still injured, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, maybe a Mike Maietti. Jersey Mike gets drafted, maybe undrafted. I don't know, but that's why he's here, right? Yeah. It's, m- maybe Utsi gets in as an undrafted free agent somewhere, oh, as like an, a run-stuffing yeah. nose tackle. I'm trying to find other guys. Damn. I just I don't think that there's a whole lot of other contenders right now. Like I think eventually Enos, Enos Rakestraw is going to be an NFL player. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jeff Coat end up getting a few looks after he's done here. Um, I, I think there's some other, I think Jalen Knox is probably going to be a player somewhere, uh, late round pick maybe. Like this year or once he? N- no, no. I think I, after he leaves, yeah. I think he'll be back next season. But those are a few guys that I think could potentially make it. Uh, but for this year, I don't, I don't really see anybody else that, that would end up getting kind of, getting that kind of a call. See, Markel Utzi just reminds me of a, like a Ricky Hatley or a Walter Palmore, yeah. you know, and they got a shot. I think, I don't know if Walter Palmore is still in the Texans or not, but they all got shots. They were undrafted. They had a, you know, at least a couple, uh, a year at least in the league. So yeah, I would, I would see something like that, but I don't know. It just, it just feels like this is not the year for like, some guy to like solidify or not solidify, but like break through and say, yes, you didn't know me before, but you know me now. I don't think this is the year for that. Um, Unless you're Kyle Trask, in which case, unless you're Kyle Trask, in which case quarterbacks are always overvalued. So whatever. So I would, I would suggest, you know, if you're getting good buzz, go ahead and get the heck out of here. But I think for a lot of these guys, like on the fence guys, like Beatty, uh, like my Eddie, I think another year, a full year of a normal year, I think that could that could do them well. I'm with you. I, I'll be interested to see if if that's the case for any other guys on this roster. Like I I don't know who else would even be a candidate for that, but I've gotta imagine that there's somebody out there that's gonna come back next year that we're like, Oh, we get another year with them? That's kinda cool. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the most likely candidate for dumb leaving early situation? Dumb leaving early. So declaring for the draft? When they really shouldn't. Hmm. I don't know if this team has a whole lot of candidates for that. Because yeah. there, there are some every year that you're mm-hmm. like, whoa, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know that Mizzou has those this year. Um, Like, in the past, they've had some running backs that have done it. Um, Demaria Crockett. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got that one, though, because, like, he wasn't going to increase his value. We had kind of no. seen the player that he was at that point. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, he ended up being one of those guys that did kind of make the practice squad for a couple of years, and then it was like, oh, okay, and I think that's just going to be it. <laughs> that's just all we're doing here. If I if I absolutely had to pick one, I, I agree with you. I think most of these guys are smart enough to know when and when not to jump. If I had to pick one, Damon Hazleton. Oh, well, I think he's going to go. I don't know if I think that's like wait, dumb wait, though. I don't really. You think he's gonna go? I don't think he's gonna go in the draft. I think he's done at Mizzou. <laughs> okay, I I did not think that he would. Was thirty targets, seventeen catches, one hundred and seventy-five yards, zero touchdowns. Now that's only five games. 
He can absolutely crank it up in these last five when the difficulty gets a little easier. But if we're going off of just what he's done so far, absolutely not. I mean, he's been in college since 2016. Did you think he was coming back? <laughs> I thought he <laughs> should go. I, I No, I, I thought he should leave, but I also thought he'd be doing better than this. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. Um, that's an interesting one. I I hadn't really even considered the possibility that he would return next year. Okay. So Especially while, we're, g- while we're talking about it, Kiki Chisholm, is he coming back? No, I don't think so. Wow. I, I would have assumed that they didn't. I mean, listen, we've talked plenty about both of them. We have. Um, it's not like they've had some like tremendous season um, in terms of like the overall production numbers. Quite the opposite, actually. So I would have assumed that both of them would either transfer again or go to the NFL draft. I, I could be. This is a hundred percent speculation to it is. be totally it is. clear here. Yeah. Um. I. I. I would be surprised if either are back next season. Look, they came here with the full intention of one year, get your experience in the SEC, and then get the heck out. That was the goal. I don't know if that's the goal here. Not only yeah. because of you know, this season, but just their production. It's just not there. Like, you could. I'm not saying don't, but if you don't have to leave, and I understand Damon Hazleton's an old man now, but if you don't have to go, like, if you have a, if you have a redo of a totally normal season, we think, why didn't you take it? Maybe... Um, you can also potentially transfer with like no recourse. Go to Alabama. Maybe find, <laughs> I, I don't know where you're going, but maybe you go to a big 12 team where you can just get a hundred targets. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You know, go I, Oklahoma. I just, I, I don't know that they're going to get on the field there after what we saw this year. Like go, go to, I don't even go to Kansas, right? Like I, I know that's like the worst <laughs> thing to say, but just get your hundred targets and like oh try God. to see what you can do with that. Yeah. Um, I think the one guy that I would keep my eye on if I'm a Mizzou fan, I don't know which direction this is going to go, but Kobe Whiteside's played two games yeah. this season. Yeah. I thought he was going to be a guy. I know he's got the size limitations, obviously, but we've seen short, shorter guys go in the draft before at defensive tackle. Yep. I thought he was somebody that could potentially really make a name for himself this season without having Jordan Elliott next to him, without having Terry Beckner Jr. next to him. He's only had an opportunity to do it for two games. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be stunned if he's one of the guys that takes advantage of being able to come back next year. I would hope he does. Not because yeah. I want him to stick around for my team, but like, I want him to have a good year because I feel like he's got the talent. But, yeah, two games to show it off. I mean, what what is he at? He's got six solo tackles. Mm-hmm. He basically <laughs> has no production this year. There's nothing. There's nothing. So he'd be going off the fact that he was a preseason SEC defensive lineman. That That's mm-hmm. all he has and six tackles to his name. He had seven and a half sacks last year. I mean, he, he, did. he has shown production. The problem is, and it's the, the question that we all had coming into this year, how much of that was Jordan Elliott? How much of that was him? Yep. And we haven't been able to find out the answer. We we, we saw two games of him, and then it, it was over. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just hard to know, and it's also hard to know when he gets back how healthy he's going to be. And the True. two games that he played, he went up against Alabama and Tennessee. Like Those aren't the games where you're <laughs> going to be able to get your production, you yeah. know? No. So it 
I think he's the guy that could definitely, out of all of the players at Mizzou, he's probably the number one candidate to be able to up his value compared to where he's at right now. Yeah. If he decided to come back for another season. Agree. Now, now mentally, I am writing off every senior. Every single sure. one. But I do think there are some good candidates, the ones that we've highlighted, that would benefit from coming back. Now, that's they don't have to take our word for it. They, I want them to make their business decision, but... I think a lot of uh, a lot of these are pretty easy cases, and if you have the opportunity, I'd take it, man. If you got to redo, take it and and better yourself and and try and get uh, get to the NFL with a normal season and some better stats. That's all. NCAA is giving you this opportunity; might as well take advantage of it. It's might as well. Basically, I mean, it sounds kind of crass saying it this way, but it's twenty to thirty thousand dollars for free. And he yeah. gets to play football for another year. And a yeah. lot of these guys is going to be the end of the line for them playing football. So mm-hmm. if you got an opportunity to do it, I got, I totally understand taking advantage of it. If you decide not to, you want to go do something else. You want to go work elsewhere. You want to get started on your life. You want to make a salary. No, not going to bemoan that either. I got Thank no you. issues with it either way, but um, whatever they decide to do more power to them. I do think there are some good candidates on this team and it, it kind of starts up front there on the defensive line where, uh, you could see some guys that maybe come back. Yep, I agree. Whew. We almost made it to an hour. You got any uh, <laughs> parting shots, any last words of wisdom? I don't think so, man. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to this game on Saturday. I, I think they're going to win it. I hope they're going to win it. I hope they're going to play. I believe they're going to play. <laughs> but I, uh, it, it again, kind of going back to the theme of the show, 2020, and specifically this Mizzou team, you just, you don't know. It's been a roller coaster. Yeah. Score prediction? 31-23. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Okay. 31-23. Mizzou. <laughs> 31-23, good guys. I'm going to say 28-27, good guys. Like Real it. nail biter. So you've got South Carolina covering. I've got Mizzou covering. Mm-hmm. And both of them are like right at the line. <laughs> Basically right there. Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, keep your fingers crossed. Put your pajamas in inside out tonight. Hold your breath until noon tomorrow and hope that nothing else bad happens. Uh, and then we can play this game and get it going. And then we can uh, come back to you with, uh, with shows on the weekend, breaking down a game. And then we can just hopefully write out the schedule like normal for the rest of the year. That's, that's all we can ask for. So... Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's our show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment, you can rate us, we have all types of feedback. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Nate Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. And of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M I Z. See you.